Hello, and welcome to Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. On this week's design discussion, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will discuss a board game and have a related design discussion. Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of 2019. Wow. Can you believe this? Our third year, not actually full year, but we've been doing this for since 2017, 2018, now 2019. Kind of crazy. It is crazy. And this is my, you know, I joined uh, the YouTube channel in July of last year. So this is my second (laughs) year-ish. I guess at, at least sort of getting on half a year with the uh, the YouTube channel, so it's it's pretty wild just how uh, how this co op thing is going. Well, yeah, and when you think about it, we've got you know sixty some episodes. Last year we had over fifty two thousand downloads, so I mean it's kind of crazy to think about. Our first full year we had over fifty two thousand downloads. I, I'm happy with that. No, it's 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 unbelievable. And uh, the, the, a sort of related thing, we'll, we'll definitely be past this by the time this episode airs, but as we record, we need, I think, six more subscribers on the YouTube channel to be at 10,000 subscribers, which is sort of an arbitrary milestone, but it's still pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm really happy about uh, how the podcast and the YouTube channel are going and just kind of this co-op uh, media empire we are building. <laughs> oh, yes. It's such an empire. Oh, it's 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 mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least we're still having fun with it. That's the important part, right? Absolutely. And hey, if you really want to have fun, you know, we always talk about this, but come join our Slack. We have a a link to get straight in in the show notes, and we'd love to see you over there. That's definitely a smaller community than either the the listeners of the podcast or the YouTube channel, but it's a, it's an awesome one. Yeah, cool thing. We just had uh, yesterday one of our members, Aristotle, he wrote, The Slack has been a highlight of 2018 for me. So just, yeah, really cool because it, it has been for us as well. I, I feel like that's really a tight-knit community, t- tighter than like Board Game Geek or any of the other places where I discuss uh, board games in this way. So it's, it's pretty amazing. So, hey, come and join us. Well, yeah, it's a pretty cooperative group, if you know what I mean. Ha, ha, ha. Well, and the other thing that's going on over there is I've actually run a couple of impromptu contests already. So I've given away a game and I've given away an expansion for Aeon's End. So, you know, if you're on the Slack community, even if you're not contributing, even if you're just there lurking, we, you know, I'll throw up a contest every once in a while for people to win free stuff. So, I mean, the people that are currently on the Slack didn't know that. So it's not like they joined to get free stuff, but, you know. When I've got some stuff laying around, sometimes I will share it with the community as well. Well, so if we get uh, 200 sudden new Slack members after this episode airs, we'll know what you're all about. (laughs) Well, and especially if it's like Sean A, Sean B, Sean C. (laughs) I would like a copy of that game. I too would like a copy of that game. I would also like a copy of that game. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, no, but but whatever your motivations, please come and join us. We'd love to have you over there for some conversations. Absolutely. And speaking of conversations, today we're going to be talking about something a little lighter to start off the year. The recent party game. I, th- I think we're calling it a party game, right? I think it's the only party co-op game that I know of. Yeah, I, I, I guess we'll, we'll discuss in our design discussion what a party game is. But uh, without ado, we are reviewing Just One, a recent party game release from Repost Games. 
Yeah, and it's a pretty straightforward game. I mean, we're not going to have much of a rules breakdown here. Bottom line is, as a group, you're trying to get 13 words, and the guesser is going to change from round to round. When you're the guesser, everyone else writes down one word. If any of their words match, then you don't get to see those words. So if the word was Captain Kirk, and we both wrote Enterprise, the guesser would never get to see Enterprise. And so that is as simple as the rules are. You get to see however many words are left after you cross out the words that were matches, and you're trying to guess. If you get it correct, it goes in your pile, and you count, and trying to see how many of 13 you can get. If you guess incorrectly, you not only discard that card, but you discard the next card as well. And you could always just pass as well, in which case you just discard the one card. And again, you're just trying to get the highest score out of 13, so it's a pretty straightforward game. Wow, that that was the entire rules explanation. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Y- you didn't even let me finish the introduction. We never said that our design discussion is going to be on party games. <laughs> so, but there we go. We already we're already in the review, man. We're we're doing it. We're doing it. We're in. You know, I've only done this. I, I don't know, fifty sometimes. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what our format is at this point. What are you kidding me? All right, so for those who have not listened before, welcome, welcome. And our format is we will discuss five key elements or design decisions or mechanics in the game. And uh, we'll count down from each of our number fives, uh, the least important of the still five most important items about the game, uh, down to our number one, the most important thing about the game for each of us. Peter, you want to take it away? Sure. My number five is that I think this game actually scales pretty well. The game goes from three to seven players, and I was a little concerned when I first got it that the lower player counts weren't going to work very well, but I've played a lot of games at three and four players, and it works just fine. I do think it is easier as you go up in player count just because if you have a match at a lower player count, let's say you're only playing three players. In three players, the one concession they make is each person writes two words. So if you have a match, though and you only would see four words anyway, if you have a match on two of those four words, then it's really going to make it quite hard to guess the word a lot of times. Whereas in seven players, if you match on two of the words, then you still have five words to look at. Now, it's much more likely you're going to match in a seven-player game just because you have so many words to choose from. But when you don't and you have seven words, it gets pretty easy to guess the words sometimes. So... I mean, it's a minor quibble, but I thought it was going to scale not nearly as well. And with seven players, you do tend to match like one or two every time out. So you're probably seeing, you know, the similar number of cards as you'd see in lower player count games anyway. So that's my number five, that the scaling actually works. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to have a related one later. And I think that'll happen a lot for this review because it's a pretty simple game. There's not necessarily that many different things to discuss about it. This is literally going to be our top five things about the game. There might not be six or seven things about this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might literally be five things. I'm fully expecting that we'll have three in common at a minimum. <laughs> so maybe there'll be like seven unique things to talk about. Yes. So my number five is the components in the game, which I think are really, really well done for a low price point. My favorite piece, and you get seven of them, are these sort of writing easel slash card holders that each player receives. So they're, uh, you know, they're white plastic. You can write them with with the dry erase markers. But on the back, they also have a little spot for holding the card because when you're the clue guesser, 
you put the card with, uh, we didn't say this, but there are five words on the card, and the guesser, without seeing those five words, names a number one to five. So the card faces all the rest of the players, but the clue uh, guesser can't see it. But they also have this nice easel to write on when they are the one giving clues. And the, the dry erase pens are nice. They have little erasers at the end. Those work really well. The cards are feel of a high quality. Everything's attractive. The box holds everything easily. So, you know, I'm, I'm a, I don't love doing components for games, but here they are really nice. And especially the, those little writing easels are excellent. I, I just I feel nice when I hold the chunky plastic in my hand. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of trivia games or party games do this where they put multiple words on a card just so you get more value out of it. So if you get 100 cards, you really have 500 words. And so that's a neat thing they do. They've copied that, obviously, from a lot of other games. The thing I don't love is the blinded person picking a number one to five. I mean, it's kind of random. I, I, I don't know that there's a better way to do it. But I almost wish that ones were like the easier ones and it went down to fives being the harder words, something along those lines. So if you wanted to scale difficulty, you could do it a little bit. But I mean, it works just fine. Yeah, I'll I'll disagree with that a little bit because uh, my sort of number six, if I had one, was going to be the the picking a one through five word. I've had a lot of fun in my games with people seeing all the words available and then either like breathing a sigh of relief when the person didn't pick the really tough word or groaning or being like, oh man, I had such a good clue when they like pick the word that is not the same as what the people wanted. So I think there's a little bit of fun in the party atmosphere with that word picking because, uh, you know, the people can see and you can't, but they're going to react sometimes verbally to the clues you do pick and the clues you don't. Yeah, sure. I've certainly had that as well. And I mean, I have played a lot with my kids because, spoiler alert, they love this game and keep requesting it. We've had their friends over. We've played it with their friends who we've never pulled another game out in front of. So I've played a lot of this game with kids. And so I've had a lot of that situation where it takes them like three minutes to pick a number between one oh. and five. <laughs> well, yeah, so. that, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Yes. So outside of that frustration, I think if playing it in a group of adults or, you know, whatever, I, I think that wouldn't be a problem. But for me, it's been a little bit of a, an exasperation. I was like, just give me a number. <laughs> so jumping right into my number four, I think the scoring system is actually pretty interesting in the game. So it's not very difficult, but a lot of party games don't even bother trying. Here, you start with 13 cards. If you get one wrong, you discard two cards, as I said earlier. If you fail to guess. So if you see a couple words and you're like, man, there are like seven or eight words that this could be, and you just don't want to guess at all, you only discard that one card. And so there's a little incentive to actually not put forward a guess. So I think it's interesting. I love when a game takes away any need for adding or subtracting outside components. So you have 13 cards. You just see how many are in the score pile at the end of the game, and that's your score for the game. So I think it's clever what they did with just the use of 13 cards as, you know, the entire scoring mechanism. That's my number four, too, except I'm a little bit more negative on it. I do agree on the positives. I love that you don't have to actually write anything down. Well, except for writing down the clues, of course. But with the scoring, you don't have to write anything down. You just keep track of the cards. I think there is the potential for interesting stuff with the incorrect answers taking two cards away. But my sort of two minor cons with that that make this more of a mix are that I've seen almost no incorrect guesses in the games I've played. People almost always choose to pass. 
And I think you have to kind of get this really perfect storm to even have the chance of an incorrect guess. I think like you need to kind of with adults, you need to get to sort of a like a three clue situation where there might be just enough information that you think you could guess, but you might get it wrong. I sort of wish that you would just have to always guess. Like, I don't necessarily find the passing concept interesting. And yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it adds to the game. But again, that's just my experience. I'm sure different groups will have more incorrect guesses and kind of groaning responses to that. So I'm sure that could be fun for a lot of groups. Yeah, I've definitely had more passing with adult groups that I've played with, but I will say that you you will get some wrong every once in a while. It's not like you're going to get everyone right, because there are a lot of times where it comes down to a 50-50 toss-up, and you just go for it. Alright, so getting into my number three. My number three is that it's a co-op party game, and I think that's pretty cool. You know, there aren't any other ones that I know of on the market. The closest thing I can think of is Codenames Duet, which isn't a huge party game if you're only playing it with two, obviously, but I've certainly played it with four and six, and I think it works as a party game there. You know, it's only one less player than this goes up to. Uh, I mean, I guess you could play with eight as well. I mean, you can go as high as you want, but this is the first one that's kind of marketing itself as a party game, where Duet is really marketing itself as a two-player game. So we're going to go ahead and go with this one as the first co-op party game, and I think it does a real good job of it. You know, it's really accessible, easy to get into, it has mass market appeal with its simplicity, and I also get a little bit of the mind vibe with this, because... When people are writing down their clues, they're not allowed to talk to each other. And in doing so, you're trying to figure out, is the person going to give the most obvious clue or are they going to give the second most obvious clue? Well, if they're going to give the second most obvious clue, maybe I should give the first most obvious clue. So, you know, you also get that, I guess it's also that Vincini, like, I clearly cannot choose the wine in front of me. So I get a little bit of that feel to the game, and it's kind of fun maneuvering through that as well. So that's my number three, is that it is a co-op party game. And I'm sure we're going to get a thousand messages about how (laughs) there are like 20 other co-op party games that came long before, but I, I, I have not played any. The only thing I would kind of put in there are some of the sort of co-op RPG experiences, or even if you, well, I guess you wouldn't consider like those murder mystery games to be cooperative. So my number three is the same as your number five. The player count scales really well. Not much to add to what you already said. I'll just call out again how great the three-player variant is, making what should be a high-player count minimum game very playable with only three. If Peter didn't already say, you, uh, each of the people giving clues writes two clues in the three-player version instead of only one. So you're basically getting the equivalent of a five-player game in the number of clues you see. But yeah, I mean, it's worked great. I played three-player a whole lot and never had a problem with it. Super smooth. So Linda actually came up with her first game variant at all today. And let me throw this out at you and see what you think of it. Because the one frustrating part, especially with lower player count games, so three players, four players. I mean, four players, you're only seeing three clues. If two of them are knocked down, you're literally seeing one word and and would never guess it. I, I wouldn't imagine, unless it was such a good clue that it would lead you right to it. So what do you think of this as a variant? In a lower player count game, if two players get their word knocked out, they erase the word and write another word. So they can't use the same word that they already used. 
and they know, you know, obviously what one of the words is, so they're not going to match on that, but at least giving them a chance, maybe even what she suggested is only one of the two people write a word. So now you don't have three clues, you only have two, so there's a little bit of a penalty, and you can't use, obviously, one of the more obvious words, but at least you, you may have a little bit more of a chance at it. I mean, for me, uh, four-player, I've when I've played four-player, I've just done another three-player variant, because you have enough for, you know, a four-player game with each person writing two clues is equivalent to a seven-player game, the max player count. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would do that first before I would kind of give a second chance, because, you know, the whole clues being eliminated thing is, I think, one of the, well, <laughs> maybe it's one of the more interesting mechanics in the game. Let's find out. <laughs> All right, so let me move on to my number two. So this isn't the variant podcast. This is the uh, co-op cast podcast. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, so my number two is, as you said earlier, the cool stands. I, I didn't talk, call out all the components. I just called out the stands themselves. They are amazing. We've played the new Pictionary version, and the dry erase markers don't dry erase. Like, I don't understand where here it's super, you know, the dry erase markers were great, and these little stands that they go on work really well, and they race really easily. I've never had to pull out any other components, anything else, and I've played the game quite a bit, and they haven't started to dry out at all, uh, and I lent it to you, and you played it, and, you know, so it's got quite a few plays on it, and no, no worse for wear. So, yeah, I think the components do a really good job, and that stand is just such a great great i mean whoever came up with that it was just a really good idea so i mean it's just a normal card stand that can hold the card but you know the the sides are flat so you can easily write on them and they just made it out of dry erase material so it really does make the game and it gives it a, a cool table presence when you walk by you see people writing on these things you're like wow what's this all about and you know people who aren't even in the game can kind of join in which i think is one of the fun parts of a party game is when people just watching the game can be like, oh, I get what's going on. Hmm, let me see if I can figure out what that word is. So the components just do a really good job at what they need to do. No, absolutely. So my number two, I, I, I definitely struggled with which of my number one and number two should come first. But how it uh, panned out, my number two is the actual guessing of the words and the sort of connective nature of that. So again, as Peter said, as the clue guesser, you will see some number of words shown to you. Now, some might have been eliminated, but you'll see some words, and you have to find the through line that connects those words, and that leads you to the actual word on the card. And I just find that entire thing fascinating. Uh, I find it incredibly entertaining on either side, because I, I don't know about your groups, Peter, but with us, we always, like, talk through our thought process and, how oh, well, it could be this. Nah, it definitely isn't that. So as the uh, the clue giver, it's fun to watch the person kind of work through their thoughts and, and you know, <laughs> try not to try to keep your poker face on when they say the correct word. And they're like, nah, nah, it can't be that. <laughs> yeah. But, but the main thing is just actually being the person guessing the clues, I find to be a totally thrilling experience and super duper fun. Like one of the most fun things I've, well, <laughs> I was going to say one of the most fun game experiences I've had last year. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's really great. And I, I just love the... It's akin to giving clues and code names where you try to find like these interesting connections between cards and then say the one word that somehow matches them all. I feel a similar but almost like reverse idea here where I'm trying to take these disparate words and find what is the one connecting item. 
it's almost like solving a little mystery each time you uh, guess a clue, and I, I just love that. I think it's a really a good time. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. All right, so to my number one, which is your number one also, it's when you get <laughs> matches. I mean, come on. it's It hasn't been said by either of us. I mean, yeah, it's it's the hook of the game. It is it is the entire, like, cool thing that the game Yeah, did. so we can kind of talk back and forth on this. So for, for both of us, it's when you flip up those matches and, you know, you have to turn them face down. It, it really is. It's, you know, every game needs a little tweak. You know, something that, that makes it stand out. And for this game, that's what it is. For the mind, it's the fact that you can't talk to each other. You know, for code names, it's the push-your-luck nature of trying to get multiple clues and having that assassin there. And for this game, you know, it's the flipping up matches, because it does. It leads to that Vincini moment where you're like, clearly, I cannot choose the mind in front of me. It's what makes the game and, you know, makes it a really fun party game. No, I mean, totally agree. I'll say that they could cut that, and I think I would still have a lot of fun just trying to figure out a word based on other words I see. Like, if they didn't have this mechanic and I just saw all the clues and it was okay that two people put the same clue, I would still enjoy the game. But that being said, the the thing that is best for me, and I guess it is similar to what you are saying, is like sort of the Princess Bride concept, is that it totally, the fact that matching clues get eliminated totally just changes my mindset and my planning as a clue giver. I feel like I need to think outside the box. I feel like I need to go to crazy places, like figure out metaphors and analogies and illusions and all this kind of crazy stuff. That truly isn't necessary a lot of the time. Like, you can often say the most basic stuff and the other person just won't do it. But I think it's more fun if you both try to kind of do the wackiest thing you can think of. And then that's when you get like the really dumbfounded people who are like, wait, what? How do these two words relate to each other at all? It can also just lead to totally wacky, hilarious moments. My favorite one is uh, when I was playing three player, when I uh, saw Steve and Elijah, hi, co-hosts, other week hosts. <laughs> I visited uh, both of them over the holiday and we played this game three player and the clue was ladder and I, thinking I'm a genius, put down uh, Jacob's, you know, Jacob apostrophe S for Jacob's ladder. And I put rung, R-U-N-G, like a rung of a ladder. And I thought I was so smart. So Steve reveals his clues. And they are literally the exact same two words. So Elijah wasn't even allowed to guess. He saw zero words. And just the fun of that and the, the story of that and how crazy that is I, I just think you know with the clue elimination that's what makes that happen and there's so many fun things like that that'll happen in a game and j- just the the sort of synchronicity of mind that makes you say the same clues and in this case hurts you whereas a game like the mind or code names if you're kind of in sync it's a good thing I, I like how it kind of flips these kind of games on their head a bit for me and just Combined with the great clue guessing, it it makes the game. My number one and number two are what makes the game amazing for me. And I will say there is a negative to it. And the only negative I've heard so far is one person said, well, I'm just always going to write the most obvious clue. First of all, I would say kick that person out of your group right away. (laughs) Say, okay, you go play another game. 
Or what I would probably do if he wouldn't leave is troll him and also write the most obvious clue. And now he's trying to guess whether I'm going to write the most obvious clue or not and uh, <laughs> and eliminate his clue. So that could be a fun guessing game as well. What is he going to think is the most obvious clue? So, I mean, that could potentially be a negative in the game if somebody just outright states their intentions beforehand. So you do have to watch the table talk at this because, I mean, like you said, most of the fun is trying to outguess okay, what word can I get away with? And for me, some of those heart-pounding moments are when I couldn't think of a really good clue except for the most obvious one, and so I just put that down, and, you know, you all reveal, and nobody else put it. You're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe nobody else came up with that word. Like, you guys had way better clues in your mind than me. So it is kind of neat to see the cleverness of the people you're playing with as well. Absolutely. And to your point about the person who says they're just going to write the most obvious clue... I would I would liken that to alpha player problems, quote unquote problems in games, where although you maybe could change the design, like you could say you cannot talk during the game to eliminate that. I think at some point you just have to be like, all right, this is going to happen with some game groups and I don't care. It's not that big of a deal. Well, it's like the person who's going to count in the mind. It's like, come on, you're, you're ruining the fun for everyone. Right. Stop. It's like, don't, you know, we are playing a game to have fun. If your intention is to break the game and show that if you play one way, it is dumb. I don't know. I, I got no help for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you could tell by both of our voices. We really enjoy this one. We have not played it together, so, you know, a lot of these games we haven't played together, but we did match all five points, so there you go. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we, we haven't played it together. You're right. And wait, did, did, do we match all five points in some way? I yeah, we did. so. No, no, no. I, you had, you did not have my number two and your number three, I think. Because your number three was that it's like one of the only co-op party games, and my number two was the guessing is really fun. So here's the game. Write down co-op party game and write down whatever your number two was and see if people can guess what game we're talking about because all the (laughs) others were eliminated. Yeah, that'd that'd be a tough one. Uh, I don't don't know if this game's well-known enough yet. I think co-op party game would give it away personally, but... Okay. But yeah, I, I, I like Peter. I think this game is great. I will say that as much as I love the mind, I think this is easier to get to the table and more casual. I think it's easier to have fun with right away. I don't know that it's easier to get to the table. The mind's pretty easy to get to the table, but it's certainly easier to get where the fun is pretty quickly in this one. Well, I think when I say easier to get to the table, I think it is an easier sell to potentially someone who's not sure they want to play a game. Correct. I agree with that. The mind, like, being like, you're not allowed to talk. Like, people will be like, I don't get it with the mind. (laughs) No one's ever said, I don't get it with just one. That's you know, like, true. the concepts are extremely simple. With the mind, they're like, wait, so I am I, like, counting? And I'm like, no, you're just, you're just, <laughs> you're feeling when it's time to play the car. You know, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, I love the mind, but I, I'm not sure if, if we had to rank both of them right now, like, redo our ranking, I, I'm sure it's recency bias, but just one would have a chance of overtaking the mind as much as I really, really like the mind. See, I think, for me, this is a game that, might not last as long as the mind because clever party games come out all the time and they're very similar concepts trying to get people to guess words whatever else i I don't think there's a lot new here except for that matching thing so i'm not sure I, i see this one being overtaken at some point whereas i can't imagine anything competing with the mind for that space so for me i still like the mind better but 
that being said, I'm glad I own both of them. And if I didn't own both of them, I would certainly go out and buy both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so in either case, I think for both of us, this is definitely a big recommend. If you think, even if you think you might be able to play this with three people, it's still a really good experience. It's a little hard to find it as cheap as it should be because I think stock is a little bit low. Uh, looks like it's $30 on Amazon as of this recording, whereas what is the MSRP? $25? Yeah, MSRP is 25 I mean, yeah, just so, hold on. So clearly on. they're you know, scalping it or overcharging a little bit. Oh, and actually, it's not even in stock in Amazon right now. Like, I think it's somewhat selling out right now, but maybe if your local game store has it, you should be able to find it. Yeah, that's where I found it is our local game store. And, I mean, it's not like they're not going to reprint this one. They're going to reprint this one. And, I mean, like I said, I could easily see this being on shelves at Target and Barnes & Noble within a year. This is such mass market appeal. I think it will hit that code names kind of release where, you know, you just see it everywhere. I mean, I hope so. I, th- I think, like, I, I, I very much liken this game to Taboo, and it has a lot of similarities to Taboo, which was my sort of go-to party game with my family back in the day. But I would love to see this have as much mass market exposure as possible, because I think it's a, it's a really good design. It's fun. And one more comparison to the mind before we get out of here. I think they both named themselves really good. I, I, that was actually my number six, was I actually like the name just one. Because now that I think about it, I gave the clue earlier that said whatever name I used. But I realized that all the clues are actually only one word, too. All the clues you can give are one word. All the words you're trying to guess are one word. And you can only have just one of each clue. So There's I, only just one answer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the uh, I think it's named pretty well, just like the mind, really. Like, you have to get that mind meld. I think Just One did a really clever job of naming itself, too. So there's a little bonus one for you. My only complaint is that I consistently call the game only one, and it's not like that's wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's wrong, but it's not like <laughs> right. it's that different. You know, it still expresses all the same things you just said. So that, that's, I like the name, but that's my only little issue with it. I just can't keep it straight. Only one is the expansion, man. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. More cards and some crazy new uh, mechanic. <laughs> More stands, right? So you can play with 27 people. Oh, God. And speaking of 27 people... Let's get into our design discussion on party games. And I do think this, since, (laughs) at least for the two of us, we can't think of any other cooperative party games. So, hey, hit us up and let us know some. A lot of my points are definitely competitive-friendly, if not competitive-focused, in some cases, for this one. Did you have kind of the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I was more thinking along the lines of, like, what is a party game, as you were talking about, and what makes a party game really good? So you're right. A lot of times it's going to be competitive, but a lot of these can actually cross over into the cooperative world as well, I think. No, definitely. So what? how would you define a party game to kind of start us off? I mean, I think a party game is something that's really easy to get into. The rules shouldn't take more than a minute or two to explain. Everybody will get it right away, or within playing around of it, they'll be able to get it. People can jump in and start watching it. I think ruckusness is a benefit to a party game, where you draw attention to yourself so that other people want to come join in and see you. Whether it's something like charades, where there's not even talking, but you're just moving around and doing these crazy things, and people are like, what is that person doing over there in the corner? To something where you're laughing and and shouting out and doing things like that. Anything where it's a spectacle, I think, makes a good party game. Nice. I love the use of ruckusness. I don't know if that's a word, but I want it to be one now. It's clearly not, but it's a Peterism. 
<laughs> Peter. Some... So my, my definition was a lot simpler. Mine was, <laughs> I think yours is better, by the way. But mine was a filler that can play a lot of people. Okay. I mean, same kind of thing, right? Like short rules explanation, usually pretty quick. Although one of my favorite party games of all time is Time's Up. And that game's not quick because there's three rounds. The first round, you say as many words as you want, trying to get people to guess the thing on the card. Second round, you can just use one word. And third round is charades. So, you know, they, they don't always have to be filler length. But I do think shorter it tends to be better for these type of games. Sure. So actually, that, that brings up a perfect point that I wanted to kind of discuss. Saying that there are pretty much no cooperative party games. And something I was thinking about as I sort of thought through my favorite party games like Time's Up is that why is it not cooperative? <laughs> and what it often comes down to is just how did they choose to do scoring? Well, you're absolutely right. You know, a, a lot of cooperative games and a lot of even party games have very, you know, very simple scoring mechanisms, kind of like just one. Time's up. It's just how many clues did you get through? And that's it. And there is literally nothing besides... So number one, I think, you know, people expect games to be competitive. That's thankfully been changing as cooperative games have become more and more popular. But going back, you know, 10 years ago, who would design a party game and want to make it cooperative? Like, what does that even mean? Well, and to be honest, it's the scoring isn't even that interesting. I mean, well, you, right. you score anywhere from 1 to 13. I mean, like most party games, a lot of times it's like, who cares? But yeah, so I think people might think of party games as a competitive endeavor and like something that is beating down somebody else like that that sort of feeds into uh you know the culture of like sports and competitive activities and things but yeah just to take times up as an example there is absolutely nothing to say like how high can our score go on times up you know and there you go <laughs> literally <laughs> you have to change nothing about the game you just don't have a second team and i think you know code names becoming code names duet now vlada travato is an awesome designer he added more stuff to it to make it even more interesting but as we saw, there was a cooperative variant in code names, and it worked absolutely fine as well. Like, you just took away the whole competitive aspect, and bam, you're good to go. <laughs> well, actually, you're right. Everybody who was yelling at us earlier, like, code names, you idiots, there you go. Code names did it first, because you could play that game completely cooperatively with as many people as you wanted. You just have yeah. one person given the clues, and you see how far you can get. Well, yeah, and actually, I would say Codenames Duet, I find harder to play with really big groups than just base codenames with a cooperative variant, because you have, like, the requirements of everyone staying involved in Codenames Duet and, like, fitting people on two sides of the car. But regular codenames, you just have one person with the car, and everybody else can be wherever the heck they want. But anyway, so, I, yeah, I do think that a lot of party games, in their competitiveness, aren't really that competitive, except for, like, a race to a score, and don't get me wrong, that does have an effect on kind of the psychology of playing the game. But in the end, if you just strip that away and we're like, hey, let's do our best. Let's beat a certain score. Let's do this activity in a faster time. They could be cooperative with very little or even zero like kind of rules changes. Yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, part of it is the simplicity of the rules. And the thing about party games, I think that is the most important if you're going to design one, is the activity itself has to be fun. 
strip away the scoring, strip away all that, and that's why a lot of times they have the dumbest scoring systems. Somebody came up with a really fun activity to do, and if you try to put some kind of heavy scoring system on it, it might even take away from the fun of the game. So, like, they just went, okay, we'll just do this, and this will be the scoring. You know, obviously games like Codenames do a really good job in the scoring and the, you know, which team wins is, is a lot of the fun of that game, but I do think a lot of these other ones, the activity is the important thing. In charades, getting up in front of people and making a fool of yourself is the fun of the game. Yeah, and I think that idea of the activity being the point of the game also goes back to our previous episode on limited communication games, because that is a fairly common thing in a lot of these party games. Like, you know, in Just One, if you write the same clue, both clues are eliminated. In Taboo, if you say a word that's on the card, you get buzz and you got to move on to the next word. So I think that often it's not just that you have a fun activity, but that you take that activity and add some kind of limitation, either communication-wise or, you know, charades, you're not allowed to talk. That's really, you know, uh, like in that limited communication discussion, a lot of these party games, if you take away that sort of gimmick or take away that quirk of communication, it becomes a much less interesting experience. Just one without the elimination where you just look at, like, words and, and guess what it is would be, first of all, super easy, but also not nearly as exciting and interesting. You know, the, this is a ridiculous example, but the mind, if you could just talk in the mind, well, that's not really a game anymore. Well, clearly it is not a I'm game I'm going to play the five now. Everyone okay with that? Great. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. I got the six. Are you sure you ah. want to play the five? Uh, okay. All right, play it. <laughs> All of the games we're talking about do have something in common, which is that you are trying to get somebody to guess a word or a set of words or a name or a title or something like that. A lot of these party games seem to boil down to that. Now, the one I can think of that doesn't do that is Two Rooms and a Boom, where you're really trying to suss out who the president is and who the bomber is. If you don't know that game, look it up. It's it's interesting. I've never actually played it, but the, the rules itself seem interesting. And the thing that makes that interesting is it's kind of a social deduction game where you're in two different rooms and you're sending people over and you're trying to outguess the other people so that is a different beast altogether whereas most of these games that we've talked about are really just ways of communicating to other people without using the most obvious thing which is telling them what the word is you know i will say a game that just occurred to me although now so what i'm thinking of is uh, alternatively called eat poop you cat or telestrations i think is like the published one Yep. I've never played Telestration, so they might have added like a scoring mechanic in there. I don't know why they would, but they probably did. <laughs> right. But, you know, th- that is a... See, I don't know if you call it a game because there's not really a winner or a loser, but that's certainly a cooperative party activity because you're all trying to like work together to create the most ridiculous illustrations and try to keep a message consistent as you deal with these crazy like pictures and sentences you get. You know, for me, that would be an earlier cooperative party game than just one, and one that I really love. Again, just a simple concept. Basically, write a sentence, draw a picture of it, but because you're passing around and because you only see the most recent one, that limitation makes the game come alive. But uh, yeah. that, that's, that's, my, that's still my favorite cooperative activity. You know, if you want to call it a party game, I don't know, but it's... I've played that with groups of 30 people, and it's unbelievable how much fun we have just drawing and writing and then, like, showing off the craziness that ensued at the end of it. Yeah, it's certainly a party activity, and so because they're, I mean, they're game-like elements, I'd call it a game. So if you're not familiar with Telestrations, basically somebody writes a sentence, 
then it's a game of telephone after that. You pass the sentence to the next person, they see exactly what your sentence is, and they have to draw a picture of that sentence. And then they fold the paper backwards so you can't see the sentence anymore. And the next person has to write a sentence based on what the picture that they get is. And then, again, now you have a new sentence, or it may be the exact same sentence if they're really good at guessing and you're really good at drawing. And then they pass it, and you know they're, the next person only sees a sentence, and they have to draw a picture again. And you just go back and forth for as long as you want to until basically hilarity ensues. Because <laughs> yes. eventually you'll have no idea what the original phrase was anymore. And, you know, you're trying to get that last phrase to match the first phrase. Although I'd say in theory you're trying to get them to match. But in reality you're trying to get them to be as far away as possible because it's way funnier when yes. they're further away. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. The, the least fun games of that I've had are where people draw it perfectly and then the next person writes the exact sentence and the next person, you know, draws it perfectly again. Yeah, that those those aren't the fun ones to look at. It's the ones where it starts spiraling out of control and you see, oh, here's where the first slip up was made. And, oh, I see where they went with that. And uh, so it gets funnier and funnier. So not always the best game to play with a great artist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Or you got to put a time limit or something. But anyway, we're getting a little bit off topic. Yeah, so I'll just throw out a few other things. You might have even mention some of these already. But just basic things that I think a good party game should have. It should set up quickly. It should tear down quickly. It should have an extremely quick elevator pitch. Like, here's what the game is. Here's what's cool about the game. Done. Very simple rules. And... Something you mentioned that I think is another reason, like, maybe the mind would not work so well as a party game, besides that you can't play with that many players, is that I think the best party games consider the use of space and the needs of space. So something like charades, you know, one of the reasons it's so great is that you can play it anywhere. People can be sitting, people can be standing, as long as you can see the person and you can somehow delineate which people are on which team... And again, you don't even need... (laughs) Charades can also be cooperative, because who needs teams? But as long as you have the space for it, it's a very free-form game. And just one isn't quite as great, but you don't really need to be sitting to, like, write on these little placards. As long as you can display your placard in front of you and keep that card visible, you can play around tables, you can play on couches. I think that's key to kind of the best party games. And so any game that kind of requires everyone to sit around a rectangular or circular table with an easy reach of several decks of cards, I think you're already pushing and straining what's going to work in a party setting. At least, you know, real parties of like six people or more. Right. And I think games like Werewolf are interesting also. So because is that a party game? I mean... Oh, it's a a terrible party game. (laughs) Well, but there are so many people that love it. I I don't think we can call it terrible. Well, okay, so... You could say you don't like it, but yes, I mean... F- fair enough, sorry. For for me, it is it is one of the worst party games of all time, primarily because of incredibly long game length, if you're playing with a large group, and a large number of people having ridiculous downtime with the player elimination while they wait for that long game time to finish. Those are my big problems with Werewolf and why I pretty much refuse to play it. I'd much rather play One Night Werewolf. Right, but I, I don't think it can be denied that it is a party game. I mean, it's played in large groups. 
It does have yelling back and forth. It certainly can draw a crowd. It's certainly an activity that is interesting to watch from the outside, sometimes more interesting to watch from the outside because you can see what's going on than actually playing the game itself, where maybe it's a more nerve-wracking experience sometimes if, you know, if you're not one of the werewolves trying to figure it, you know, and you're trying to figure it out, you know, whereas the people on the outside can see exactly what's going on. And I think it's funnier for them to watch and they're having a good time sometimes potentially so (laughs) (laughs) yeah that goes back to your idea of spectacle yeah don't get me wrong i think it is a party game and i think it's a great game for a con setting for example where if i get out in the first round i can just go play something else (laughs) it's no skin off my back really yeah i think it's much worse if you're in a house with 10 people and you're literally eliminated at the beginning of game and now you gotta sit around and watch although again some people like watching games of werewolf i've never been one to do that but you know, more power to whatever you like to do. Well, and, and I haven't looked at, you know, like I know Bezier Games has Ultimate Werewolf with all these variants. Maybe they've attempt to ad- attempted to address some of those main issues. Because another, I mean, <laughs> I said I have two big issues with Werewolf. My third big issue with Werewolf compared to other uh, deduction games is that, you know, unless somebody is like stupidly making noise or cheating by peeking, there is no information. <laughs> you know, there is no... Like, it's not like other games where you get clues in some fashion. It's just whatever you want to say. It's like, yeah, they're a werewolf. Why? I don't know why. They look shifty. (laughs) You know, so I, yeah, I, I hate that game for many reasons. All right. Well, this has become a mini review episode here. I think we've reviewed like five party games. Yeah, man. So, so go, so let's see, let's review. Don't play werewolf. Do play telestrations and let us know what the heck they added to the board game version because you should not buy telestrations get some paper get some pencils and play your own game (laughs) i mean that's the only way i've ever played it i haven't played the board although i hear the board game version is kind of neat because they use like dry erase paper or something like that okay and then you flip it over and put it behind and so you still have that It, it almost becomes like a flip chart of stuff that you can then erase after you're done. I'm not even sure how that technology works, but if if it actually works that way, it sounds kind of interesting. So, well, I guess that's more environmentally friendly, so maybe I'll get it one day. Yes, and, you know, recycle your eat poop you cat or frame it, you know, whatever. Oh, man, I have... Uh, <laughs> I think we still have it in my office. Uh, my wife, Vanessa, who's a great artist, did... Uh, I think I think we did a quote from the the Big Lebowski uh, about the dude Jeff Bridges' character, and she did this flawless illustration of the dude sitting there with his sunglasses. If you have not seen the movie, you should watch it. It's one of the greatest for me, at least. But yeah, I, that that game has fond memories. And sorry, getting off topic again. Yeah, so I think we've we've gone far away from uh, <laughs> you know our design discussion here. But let's give some final advice, Mike. What would your one piece of advice to someone trying to design a party game? Out of all these things, I would say get a gimmick and consider your space. We had a lot of advice, but I think those two are really important if your game is going to actually live in a true party setting. And mine is make the activity fun. So whatever that gimmick is, make sure it's fun, obviously. Simple to teach and that it draws a spectacle. Those are three suggestions. <laughs> Although I already cheated and did two. So you, you just, you just one-upped me. I, uh-huh. I just one-upped you. All right. So I think that's going to cover it. Yeah. So welcome to 2019. Looking forward to a whole year of co-op casting with y'all. Yes. And... 
can't wait to hear what Steve and Elijah get to talk about next week. It's going to be something we haven't covered yet, I think. So I'm super excited to hear what they have to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're playing a few games right now that I'm really excited to hear about. So definitely looking forward to that. Go join our Slack. Give us a shout. Let us know the cooperative party games we totally forgot. Thanks for joining us, everybody. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop. And follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-OpCast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Hey, everybody. It's Peter here with a quick after show. I'm here with my son. Hello. I am Nick. Yeah, it's Nick, and he played a lot of Just One with me. We played it with, you know, the family a lot, and we also played it with your friends, too. So tell me, Nick, what is it about Just One that that you really liked? I like how you have to guess, like, the words that you think other people won't guess. So you liked giving clues to people better than you like guessing, then? No, I like them both the same, really. Um, Just guessing is, like, so stressful because you're, like... If there's only two people, I mean three people, and two of them write down the same thing, you only have one clue. And say it's birthday cake, and two of them write happy, and one of them writes confetti. Then the two people who wrote happy would have to put it down, and I'd be stuck with confetti, which could leave, like, all the holidays. All right, so as far as games go, is this one you highly recommend for people, or...? I very highly recommend this. Okay, and when your friends come over, you've actually, you know, recommended we bring it out before. Yes, I have. All right, cool. Well, thanks for your opinion, Nick. You're welcome. Hey, I'm back again, and this time I'm with... Allison! Wow, that was pretty loud. How are you doing, Allison? (laughs) Great! You're doing great? Good. Well, do you know what game we're going to talk about tonight? Just one. And we've played this a couple times together, right? Yep. And what do you think about Just One? I like it. You just like it? What do you like about it? I like that it has gyro sports and markers and you're guessing. I notice sometimes when you're the guesser, not even the writer, you sometimes like to write on the dry erase boards, huh? Yeah. Do they work pretty good? Yeah. All right, is there anything else about the game? Do you like guessing better, or do you like giving clues better? Giving clues. What is it about giving clues that you enjoy? I don't know. It's just fun. Do you have to think sometimes about, like, what word you want to give? And do you ever try to, like, make sure you're not giving the same clue as somebody else? Or do you just write down the first words that come to your brain? I think for a little bit and then write down. Okay, if you had $25, would you go buy this game? Yes. All right, Allison. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye. You know, I've only done this, I don't know, 50-sometimes. Like, <laughs> I don't know what our format is at this point. What, are you kidding me? Are we doing a podcast? <laughs> nice. And uh, we'll see you at the next stop. 
Wait, no, that's the YouTube thing. Uh, what do we say at the end? Oh, you say something weird. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> You've made this into a party game. <laughs> what, the, what are we going to say at the end of the episode? Well, tonight we're talking about Just One. You've played this with us a couple times, right? Yep. And what did you think about it? It was amazing. Amazing. So what did you love about the game? I just liked the timer because I like got timer games. Now, you know there's no timer in this game. This is the one where we wrote words down and then we tried to guess the the person tried to guess the word. Oops, I forgot. Hey Mike. Yeah. I have just one thing to say to you. Bye-bye. <laughs> I was really excited. I was like what's it going to be? What's it going to be? <laughs> it was bye, but that that's okay. That worked.